All right, welcome everyone to Preferred Lies, the official podcast of New Hampshire Golf. I'm your host, Dave Long, and the band is all back together after a couple of weeks away from each other, and that would be Scott Peters, the president and founder of Golf and Ski Warehouse. Scott, how are you? Dave, I'm doing well, thanks. Great to be back. And that is also along with Matt Schmidt, the executive director of the New Hampshire Golf Association, who last week was at the New England, the Women's State Amateur Tournament. So what's what's the phrase? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And so we'll see. We'll see. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and we're off and running. So I uh, last week I said that that uh, Matt was at the Women's State Am, which uh, turned out to be a tour de force for uh, Lauren Thibodeau. Um, and I said Scott was on assignment, but I didn't quite know where you were, and I just g- made a guess that you were like playing at St. Andrews or uh, maybe yeah, Pebble Beach or something that. like yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds good. So uh, off, off, uh, <laughs> off working with vendors and uh, getting good deals for Golf and Ski Warehouse. All right. Anyway, this week uh, there's a lot going on. We're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the uh, Women's State Amateur Tournament uh, that was played last week at Breakfast Hill. Uh, while these guys were away, I was at the uh, New England region for the PGA Championship uh, at uh, Manchester Country Club. Had a nice time, a uh, chance to chat with Rich Barbarian. And uh, we're going to talk about that and some of his thoughts about playing in the PGA and some other places. It was an interesting tournament. Uh, the FedEx Cup is underway. Northern Trust Open uh, was uh, last week's event. There was a Patrick Reed sighting after being in out of sight all year, and then there were controversies about slow play and those kind of things. We'll talk about that. Round two of the FedEx Cup comes at the BMW Championship uh, this weekend at Medina, and uh, and then round three, of course, the uh, champ the Tour Championship is at East Lake in Atlanta. We'll talk about that as well. Before we do that, let me just say that Golf and Ski Warehouse is the presenting sponsor of Preferred Lies. And it is a big week coming up starting Friday at, uh, at all four locations. It's the big August sale. Uh, begins Friday, August 16th. Goes through Sunday, August 25th, where you'll enjoy your best prices of the season on 2019 equipment, apparel, and accessories. Save 30% on clearance, drivers, fairway woods, hybrids, irons, sets, wedges, shoes, and apparel. Take 20% off on all other golf apparel, shoes, bags, travel bags, and accessories, and save 10% on GPS units, range finders, golf balls, and selected putters and clubs. And the sales at all four locations in Greenland, Hudson, West Lebanon, in New Hampshire, and Scarborough, Maine. And that is from Friday, the 16th to the 25th, which is a Sunday. And uh, I know I'm, I might as well start off and show that, that with... Um, uh, a question that will definitely make it uh, that the uh, absence doesn't make everybody uh, <laughs> heart grow fonder with. What's the difference? He's illustrating it beautifully. <laughs> a range Something finder, about the absence uh, of the heart grow fonder. Uh, right, I've got stuck on that. Uh, uh, um, what's the difference between a rangefinder and a GPS unit? Well, rangefinder is just a number. You laser, and then the GPS is satellite. Oh, and it's, so it's more accurate, or is it more accurate? I'm not sure. It's we more were accurate. using both this weekend. Yeah, and. Me, I'm being myself. Looking. Anyway, didn't know if it was like for people who have a tough time finding the next hole, a GPS a little bit makes it a little bit easier. It gives you directions. I'm did it, get did it, it like, help you? Like at the country club in New <laughs> the golf club. He says to me, yes. I can't believe the snack shop's gone at country club in New Hampshire. And I'm thinking to myself, you mean the one on the ninth tee that's been gone for it 
10 years at least? I don't yeah. think it's 10 years. I got the over. Yeah, well, maybe. Anyway, it was highly disappointing for that. Anyway. So then I got the story of, you know, wanting something to eat, so he goes all the I mean, it's... It's it's a long story. Yeah. We yeah. only have an hour for the podcast. And, and it really that's... didn't end very well, so... <laughs> And not to mention, it set my, set my fuse off when I went double, double, double after that happened. So, anyway. All because of a hot dog. Man needs all, a hot dog. All because what, of what hot dogs, yes. And, coincidentally enough, we're in the place with the greatest golf course hot dogs in New Hampshire at uh, Lake Sunapee Country Club. They're the greatest here. So, would have been perfect to play here instead of those places. Anyway. By the way, the weather scare off people today? No, they are fied. That makes sense. Right? Because it's pulled in and said there is no We're Lake Sunapee Country Club, and it is a ghost town. And it's a gorgeous day. And I knew they had air fried, so I kind of knew when I drove in. But it's certainly telling when you drive in and see the parking lot. (laughs) I saw this uh, silver convertible car, it was the only other car in the parking lot, but it looked like it had been left here since 72. (laughs) So, oh, wait, oh, I'm sorry, that's right, that's Dave's car. You're gonna uh, you're like a dog with a bone on that on the car's whole. Well, that makes sense because I was shocked at how few people there were on right. the golf course, and yeah. it, and it is nice out now. But there's an eighty percent chance of rain right. all day. Right. I, well, I, I thought to myself, yeah. well, that's a lot of people to scare away with the forecast, and people can look at a radar now and realize it's it's not going to rain. Right. You know, I knew something was up because there were only I saw only four people with golf clubs here when I was getting out of the car and coming in, and they were all kids. So right, if right. something happened, they don't care, they're going to play. So, totally. Yeah, good swing, too. Kids uh, always have good swings. Yeah. You know, it's like just instinctive. and You know, it's when did airifying... I mean, I when I was growing up, it was always after Labor Day. You'd always get through Labor Day, and then right. it's always the Tuesday after Labor Day. And now, you know, I know Hanover did theirs uh, the Monday and Tuesday, Lake Sanapee as well. Seems like it's been moved up, which I think there's a win-lose to it. I mean, obviously, it ruins the rest of your August in many respects, but it certainly allows them to heal in before the winter. Yeah, and I guess the places who did it or do it this time of year lucked out, considering the fall we had last year, when there was was so much rain, there were probably places where... I know a lot of places couldn't work bad spots in the fall because it was so wet, and I'm not sure if that hindered places from... And I, I think Laconia, where we had our USGA qualifier today, I know they wanted to aerate fairways last fall and could not do it because of how much rain Well, interesting had. you say that because they got delayed a number of times here last year, ended up doing it really late, yeah. which kind of, unfortunately, had a negative effect on October. But interestingly enough, they didn't do it in the spring because the holes had they did yield. It so late, yeah. So it was kind of interesting. I, Anyway, it just seems like that schedule's been moved up. It's, I mean, it's, I, I'm, I'm guessing for the superintendents at some point, it's just that leap of faith of this sure. is when we're going to do it and hope we have a really good end of August where they can heal. Well, and then generally the weather's fall. better. So they How long does it take for them to heal? Because I don't know that I've ever played. Well, totally weather dependent. It also depends on how deep. But I would say in two weeks you can putt reasonably. Yeah. Um, probably three or four to be fully healed in. Uh, but yeah. Dave acknowledged... I appropriately that he puts better on airfly. So <laughs> that makes sense. Yep. So, so long as don't aim, just hit it. Right. So it's kind of the ricochet. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Take the break anyway. out and aim right at it. All right. The big story last week locally was the uh, state am women's state amateur tournament. As I said, Lauren Thibodeau uh, ran away with it. Minus three. Nice score. Uh, one by nine strokes. Matt, you were there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, she was she was pretty much in control from the word go. Um, Chelsea Sedler, who finished second, is 
Chelsea's our six-month boat ride intern. She's been our intern for a couple of years, and Chelsea's a really good player. Played down at Sacred Heart, two-time winner. Yep, and and I just you know I think Chelsea would even acknowledge Lauren was just in a different league. She just, and Chelsea didn't play bad at all, really. Yes, um, plus six over three whole. I mean over three days. Yeah, so you know, great playing by Lauren. Um, really played well. She deserved it, and and good for her. It was it was a good three days. Managed to avoid any weather issues on the final day. Golf course was. Breakfast Hill. Breakfast Hill, yeah. yeah. Golf course was in really good shape, which was which was good for the ladies, and um, seemed like a good championship. No, Amy Peters this year. I was looking. Yeah, it was interesting. The she plays. She's played almost every year for a number of years now. Um, between the schedule and the logistics, it's a little harder. You know, when you live in Hanover, it's a two-hour right, drive, right, and so right. she was disappointed not playing. Um, but, you know, you can't do it every year kind of thing. I think it's as much schedule slash logistics. So, All right. Well, uh, where are they next year, do you know? I believe Concord. Concord. Um, anyway, so that was Lauren's uh, first win, I believe. And uh, as I said, nice score, three under, one by nine. So uh, that's uh, Impressive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, I spent the week, or last two days anyway, uh, at uh, the New England region, the PGA Championship of the New England region. Uh, which was like the New Hampshire Open in that they played on the first two days. They wrote, they alternated the players. One played at Manchester one day, played at Concord the next day, and vice versa. And then uh, they cut down to, I think it was 62, and then they played the final day at Manchester. But, um, you know, I, I asked a lot of people about the issue of playing in different places and uh, to a man. I don't know. Nobody thought it was... That much would be not a big deal. So. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't think it would be, especially of two quality courses. Yeah, I mean, man, I, I wasn't up at Concord, but Manchester's in really good shape. Like so is Concord. Concord's yeah. outstanding, yeah. yeah. So uh, both were, uh, you know, and everybody I talked to had very, uh, spoke highly of both of the courses. I had. I was thinking of you, Scott, when I was talking to Rich Barbarian. Uh, we were talking about the U.S. Open. Yeah. I'm sorry, the PGA. And... Uh, you know, I asked him, he, I, he's played in four of them. Yeah. He's played in the U.S. Open. He's played in some other tour events. Uh, and he was saying that he's got to be, I said, well, I was asking him about our, our question about what's it like on the first tee, the first time you're doing that. And he said to me the same thing that we said, that there's no sport like hitting on the first tee in any other sport. Right. And uh, But he said, you know, you get it in your mind that you're playing against guys who can hit it as far as you and you're not used to that. And there's guys who can, you know, do the things that you can do or better. And, uh, you know, his, his, you know, as he looks at it, he says, um, he's got to play against the course and be aggressive, which I was thinking of you, uh, rather than playing against the, you know, guys he either knows of or how good they are. If you get kind of playing against the golfers, you're you're putting yourself in a bad place, not only mentally, but ultimately you're not really playing against the golfers. Right. You're playing against the course. And if you can somehow in your mind simplify it to I'm just playing this course and I'm just playing normal golf and you know, some people hit it far, some people don't hit it as far, but they just get it around and you've got to just somehow you know, reminds me, I think I told the story of Rich Parker, who was very very good golfer, one of the best players, certainly in New Hampshire, if not in New England. And, you know, he struggled with this big fish, small pond thing when he got out there going for his card. And I think that's a hard thing to do when you're standing at the range and you look down to the left and you look to your right. You've got a lot of great players and all of a sudden you get caught up in that other than standing in the first hole and saying, 
I've hit this fairway a million right. times. I'm going to hit it again. I'm hit the green a million times. So it's difficult. And you can be overly reverent to people that you know. You can just give them whether, you know, uh, I think golf's even worse than any other sport. But, you know, I know if I played, used to play in basketball against guys I knew were really good. And I, in the beginning, when you're younger, you allow them to say, man, that guy's good. I don't know if I could play with him. And then you, you know, you, you get past. Well, that. you put them on a pedestal, and you right. almost diminish your own ability and skills. And in golf, you find you're doing something. You've got the course. You're, as you say, you're playing against the course, not really against the players. You know, maybe on the final day if you're trying to come back. But um, so you know, his his thing what said his thing was that when he plays next year and he plays in other events, he's got to be more aggressive and go after the course rather than play the players. Yeah, put on the blinders. Right. right? So, put on the blinders and play the course. You know, it's interesting that it's taken him, I'm not being critical, I'm just saying that it's taken him, you just referenced four PGAs, the U.S. Open, and, and all the other events he's played in. Uh, you know, he's not a rookie. He's, he's a, a veteran golfer, and it's taken him that long mm-hmm. to sort of, for him, figure it out. Well, how many times do you see in a professional, on the big stage, the guy that we all think shouldn't be there and how much they, you know, they don't perform the way they had previously the first two rounds or, you know, on Saturday. And then they play on Sunday in one of the last two groups and they play lousy because and it's and it's you almost feel like those guys have that. Oh, shucks. I don't really deserve to be here right. when and it's really hard seemingly for those guys to get over that hump to say, well, if you played that well against yeah, the round best players, one, you have nothing to lose mindset. Right. Round and then all of a sudden you have. All of a sudden, you have something to right. lose. And I'm, you're I'm in the last group of a major on the weekend. You're approaching it mentally completely different. Yep. And that's a recipe for disaster. In fact, I, will, I would say, I think at the um, at the U.S. Open, I think Ches Reevy kind of fell into that category where he was a guy where we were kind of like, okay, you know, he's in one of the last couple groups. Was he second to last group, maybe? Sounds right. But he, he, I think he shot even on Sunday and sort of hung in there. Right. And I know you made the comment we never saw him hit a shot, but... But he, you know, he sort of fits that mold of a guy, journeyman, who's been on tour. You know, if you pay attention, his name's up there on the leaderboard. Well, you know, he's in the second to last group. He's going to shoot 78 in the final round. I mean, we but talk about that there. not only within the tournament, but within a career. You know, a guy who played great to get out on tour all of a sudden feels like he has to do something to get better to be able to stay out there when the reality was and is his game was, was good enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And so somehow you've got to believe that your game is good enough and just play your game. See, I think golf is unique in its a way that it can intimidate opponents in that, I mean, I know if I ever, if, if, when I play uh, with guys who can really hit it long, you know, I was playing at uh, the TPC course in Norton one day with these guys in a, uh, when I was working on a TV show in the Celtics for it was done by what's now NBC Sports Boston, and I was playing with Tommy Heinsohn and two guys who could just hit it a mile. And I was in a streak where, I, for me, I was hitting, playing pretty well for, for how I play. And I just got, by the time I got to the fourth hole, these balls are just going out there. I'm over swinging, trying to hit it, just just trying not to be. I, it wasn't even being embarrassed. It was just, it. they just drew me in, you know. And I, I, See, it's as, weird for me. And I mean, we played enough together. I don't hit it very long. And so when I play with guys that are longer it's not it's not rare that it happens but it's never it never bothers me because i guess my mentality is you still have to get it in the hole totally you know and yep. and maybe there are things i do having to hit a hybrid into a long par four 
where the guy I'm playing with is hitting the six or seven iron, maybe my concentration is better because it's a harder club to hit. It's a harder shot. It's a longer shot. Yeah, and there are 18 holes, so I always sort of think that just be patient. Yeah, right. right. Let it let it sort of evolve because the guy who does bomb it inevitably is going to bomb it in the wrong direction at some right. point, right? And so. You know, even if they have a good front nine, it's still, there's plenty of, you just stay within yourself, be patient, and, and again, you need those blinders. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, as a... But it's interesting Matt, that someone Matt, Rich said the same thing. Yeah. It just, it, it can drag you in, but that's, that's certainly, that's a smarter way and you're playing within yourself. But it wasn't even I was trying to outdrive them. It's just that I just kind of got, just, I don't know, I was, it, my brain got just it's to the not, point where I'm swimming a little harder. That's incredibly common. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's in... You know, if I play with a higher handicapper versus a scratch golfer, inevitably there's a slightly different mindset to that round of golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that uh, I found interesting was Rich said that he loved Beth Page Black and called it his new favorite course. In fact, I asked him, I said, well, you played at Pebble Beach in the tournament. You played, you know, the courses that you played uh, at PGA. He played Baltus Rolf at the U.S. Open. And I, I just said, what's your, what's your favorite course? Or can you... Def- can you, you know, talk about the different things that make these courses your favorite course? And he came right out of it and he said, I love Beth Page Black. He's, you know, talking about the, how uh, there are no water hazards. And he was saying that you don't need water hazards to have a good golf course. And, and uh, I was just surprised that yeah. he said that. So, anyway. Uh, so, it was, uh, and uh, did you know Kirk Hannafield when he was here 10 million years ago? He yeah. was there. He came in, I think, <clears throat> fifth. New Hampshire Golf Hall of Fame member. Yes, I'm sorry. Well, but all I'm saying is he was the he was the assistant pro and then pro at Derryfield. But this is like I knew him when he was an like, amateur. Way back oh yeah, there. he must have been playing in yeah, yeah, playing the Tommy right. Keene right. one year. So. Right. Yeah. But anyway, he was. I saw him and it was yeah. interesting. And yeah. Hadn't seen him in. A he can long still time. play, man. He yeah. Sure can. Yeah. It was, uh, would he be 65ish? Maybe is he that old? Somewhere. I would. He's got to be. Yeah. So um, and he's still playing. Pretty darn well. Yeah, I mean, as sixty-three. Okay. There yeah, you go. and he was, um, uh, as I said, he I think he came fifth, so yeah. tied for fifth or something like Impressive. that. So, well, anyway, it was good to see him. Uh, that uh, he is still around there plugging. All right, um, let's go to PGA news uh, in advance of the uh, BMW Championship, which is this week. Slow play was in the news. Oh, it uh, was before, even even <laughs> before. By the way. Your boy Eddie Pepperell is on fire he on Twitter so right good. now. He backed off though after calling him a twit. He then apologized, but <laughs> but I, Eddie is Eddie well. Is, he only apologized for the calling him a twit part. Correct. Yeah. Everything else was was spot on. Game. Yeah. But you know, even before the uh, the Deschambeau issues came up, there were stories going into this tournament. Uh, Rory was on a soapbox. I don't know if it's soapbox, but oh, was, Brooks. I mean, yeah. uh, Brooks and Tiger. Uh, the three of them in different interviews were talking about Tiger's just frustrated in general over it. We know what Kepka's issues so, are. So Brooks and Rory's Rory's looking for more war- less warnings and more penalties. Well, which we've talked about. Right. Look at Bryce. We now have a face to slow play. We now have a perfect example. How we happy now is have, JB Holmes? Right. No kidding. <laughs> right. We now. <laughs> We now, when we think of slow play, we have an immediate and direct reference. He's of a pariah now. Two, over two minutes to hit an eight-foot putt that it never hit the hole. No. I mean, it was a terrible putt. Two minutes. Terrible putt. I mean, I honestly, I would have been pulling my hair out 
I, I, and JT and Fleetwood were basically. How could they not? How could I, they not? I didn't see it. What What did he do? Did he walk back oh and forth and back and forth? Was, just stand okay. over it. What didn't? Yeah. <laughs> did he break the hot dog from the nineteen? Did he break up we'll, we'll, we'll show you the video did he break after the protractor afterwards. Well, he got the. So one of my pet peeves is the book. Right. I mean, the book is absurd to me. The book should be outlawed. You don't need to be standing on a green looking at eight foot putt referencing a book that tells you. So that's first, and that's ridiculous. But I mean, there's so many things wrong with it that the I, that the kicker is he goes through all of this, gets over it, and then he calls the caddy back in right. and I'm reading again, and it's like my god. And now I want to use an expletive on the it was podcast. so bad. It's, it's it's surreal. And then he starts saying, "Well, I walk really fast to get to oh my, my ball," god. and. Oh, that and then he's blaming the, the blaming the other. Well, he brings up Jason Day, who is also notoriously slow. You're not putting yourself in good company by bringing up Jason Day. No question. I mean, you can't. I, you're right. He he is. And look, I I think to some extent we have finally kind of hit critical mass with I this think issue. So. I that think that there sort of has you know? to be something that is going to change. And I mean. Look, I get on Twitter that DeChambeau was getting killed and people were like, well, you know, people are treating him like he's a serial killer and he's just a professional <laughs> golfer. But personally, I don't think he did himself any favors with his press conference where he's talking, I'm not somebody who gets overly emotional yeah. about it. But get, get out, play faster. You're was, playing golf too look, slow. I, see, I can see you there being a time within the round of golf where you have to take two minutes for a shot. Now, I say that only when, okay, you're in trouble. The wind's howling. You can't get a yardage. Like, I'll give you a quick example. Jordan Spieth of the British Open, we hit it, you know, yeah. on the driving range. Well, and had to climb over a hill to right, get Right, and to they it. had to drop, and they had to move stuff, and that it was just so, you know, there are times. So I would not suggest that that broad brush, two minutes for a shot, absolutely, you know, penalty. So I wouldn't have penalized Jordan Spieth. Eight-foot putt. Your partner just putted. He putted out. Justin Thomas is walking off the green. Now Bryson has an eight-footer. There's. I, I can't think of a rationale or an excuse on any level where what he did was okay. I, I agree. And the fact that he tried to suggest it was is, to me, as big a problem. Right, because he doesn't think there's a problem. I mean, and those guys that are slow never do. We've said that, right? Players who play slow, nobody who plays slow thinks they're slow. He was on Twitter today. Yeah. Promising to finally backing off. Finally after getting killed for like four or five days uh, uh, in a a fever. It's not just him. It's not just him. He's just now the face. He became the face of it because of what happened and the fact that that clip went viral. But there are plenty of other guys who are just as bad, if not worse. And look, there are. Jack Nicholas was a notorious slow player. Right. there are many people who are slow players. To me, what took place on that putt was well beyond being a slow player. Right. To me, that's a, an egregious penalty. The only time I've ever seen anything... It, it violates longer, the spirit of the game. Totally agree. Well put. The only one I've ever seen, and this was much longer, this was Jim Furyk. I think it was, I think it was a Ryder Cup. And he had like about a twelve footer, and, and it was you know a big big putt. Yeah, and Ryder and, Cup but, I view but, a little but, differently but, too. But. but he walked around one side, back the other side, back. He he took over five minutes. But to don't take you think in that situation incredible. in the Ryder Cup or on the seventy second hole of a major, totally different. You're you're 
your playing partners are going to understand totally agree. the gravity yeah. of the yep, situation right. and what you're doing and why you're taking so long. That was what was that Friday? You know what was was as, as troublesome <laughs> yes, to me or as troubling was when Slugger White, who's the official, said that he doesn't want to penalize players for slow play because it affects them potentially in the pocketbook and their livelihood. And I'm like going, what? I mean. That that's your job. Do, do right? referees in other sports not pick call sport, penalties right? on game on sport. players because it might have if it's they a, might get cut. So, if he, well, so, so it's like saying if he if he if he rolled the ball over in the rough, you're not going to call a penalty. I mean, what I know it's not the same, but it's still a, a penalty. Right. Yeah, right. rules are rules. So. You know? To me, oh, you, you know, hit in the water. Oh, well, I don't want you to lose you've got 100 three grand kids. this week. You've got so. three so, kids. So, you may or may not keep your car. We'll give you free relief. Right. That's casual. Mulligan. Yeah. I saw another well, story. They can start selling them on the first tee. <laughs> but I mean, again, we went, I went off, we went off on this a month or two ago when we said, look, the only way to solve the problem is by penalizing in strokes, period. Nothing else will change. Because they make right. too much money, fines aren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And to your point, it's not only the penalty that Bryson made, but how it affects every other player in the field. It was unfair to his two playing players. Yeah, it just, I agree it with gets that. under your skin. Totally. You know? And um, so I think to your point, Matt. I think I hope that you're right that we have hit critical mass. I, if well, the PGA Tour said as much that they're addressing yeah. their pace of play policy. So well, let's see. I agree what, because what, we've heard your, it all before, right? It's forever. not a new issue. And five do, and a half hour rounds. Do something about it. What What is the rule? I mean, how how long do you have? Forty, 40 seconds. seconds. Forty seconds. But it's a gray, right? It's not hard. And again, that's to my point where you know I wouldn't have penalized Jordan Spieth on. I use that as the one right. example. Right. That's a unique example. And but so so it is a bit of a gray area. And there's also you take into consideration where they are in position. Right. You know if. If all three of us are playing and we're all taking a minute to hit our shots, and yet we're waiting on the group in front of us, we're not going to get penalized because right. we're not. We're nor should we're, you. Right, we're waiting to play golf, but it does suggest that somebody, somebody is somewhere, right? Because I think that group only ended up finishing a minute. Their pace was only a minute over the group in front of them. Right. Which people brought that up, like, oh well, you know, maybe Bryce. No. Other people were playing slow, too. That's the problem. If right. the first round, you know this, but allow me to say it. If the first round, first two guys off the tee, first tee, playing four and a half hours, hypothetically, that will be the fastest round of the day. Yeah, you're not making time you Don't up. make time up. So every group after that is then 435, then probably 440. And before you know it, you're at the five and a half hour mark. Yep. So, it, you know, I think like any change... Once you make the change and penalize people, it, it'll be painful for a period of time. I mean, I hate to digress and use my favorite sport, hockey, in some respects, but they went through the change of all the holding and clutching and grabbing. And for the first half of the year when they started calling it penalties, the game was lousy because there were penalties constantly. But you know what happened? It, halfway through the season, everybody got it. The, yeah. chain, the game was changed and changed for the better. And from that point forward, the game has been better. Yeah, and I when, think once you get used to something like that, I mean, you're right. You're going to have pro- some people be have growing pains. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, NFL has made changes also along the way, hit, how you can hit the quarterback. There were a lot of complaints Same. about that. 
you know, and not now it's, it's they somewhat the norm. You know, the governing a, bodies have to stop being so afraid of penalizing somebody who has name recognition. Right. If you're the USGA, quit penalizing a random amateur. Well, we talked the about this. the events. only guys, who, the only people who penalized was an amateur and the Masters a year ago. Yep. I mean, really, and he's and, the only one who's slow. And look, I think I think it, there's a big difference now because there are so many guys on tour that. When that first penalty happens, and maybe it's when the wraparound season starts in the fall, if they have a new policy, and it's a big name that get pe- that gets penalized, they're not going to have a lot of sympathetic faces in the locker room because a lot of guys are going to say, "Good, right? You know what, riddance. Finally, someone's getting penalized." And if somebody with that kind of name recognition, or they're willing to do it at two or three or four guys. Then well, then the people the message, well, if they're going to do it to them, yeah. they'll do it to me, and exactly. I better. That's what. That's, and you know what? That's we, what you we have to give. Do to we them. don't have to give out a lot of slow play penalties, but I can tell you, I've been doing this long enough that if you give someone a penalty, they're not going to play slow again. They're going right. and they're going to make sure, and they're going to say, if they're in a slow group again, they're going to say, I want someone to time me because I'm taking 20 seconds to hit my shot, and it's somebody else in my group. Yep. It's uh, not me. If they don't play well after the penalty, the penalty, you're going to hear. Some grumbling from I was him in the beginning, but uh, but you're right. I like Brandel Chambly only because he is he does his homework and has opinions. I don't agree with all of them, but I was surprised and dis- did not agree with his. You know, golf's a slow game. Golf is not a game of hurry, and I was kind of disappointed to hear him say that. I'm not suggesting golf's a game of hurry, but golf shouldn't be a game of slow. Yeah, I agree. All right, so have we put that to rest, or we'll be back on it next hey, week? I'll tell you what. The only way is it would change. It needs to change. And so until there's change. Boy, that Abraham answer can play, can't he? Right? I've got, I've got, got some, game, man. Yeah, I've got First some, Mexican to make the President's Cup. Boy, he was impressive last he weekend. He made it, actually. Uh, we're going to talk about him in a bit. But I just said did the you, first oh, I thought you, to oh, make I thought you the said President's he's Cup. going to make it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Did he make the President's Cup, too? I think so. Okay. Well, yeah. He's going to. You know he's the first person from Mexico to make the President's Cup team. I heard that. Yes. Yeah. You took, I hate it when you take out like important lines that I've got for later in the show. Uh, all right. We're going to move on to last week's Northern Trust. But first, let me just remind you that it is the big week at Golf and Ski Warehouse. Begins on Friday. The famous, is it famous? It's famous to me anyway. Uh, and then it's the famous. August sale, uh, which... Uh, uh, kind of scary. Get, it's sort of the season ending. I was going to say, isn't it a little, a little depressing? Actually, that is the word I was supposed to read. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Just, oh. Um, so anyway, it is. Who better to say it than you, <laughs> rather than me? But is the season ending sale goes starts on Friday, August sixteenth to the twenty fifth. You'll get the best prices on twenty nineteen uh, equipment, apparel, and accessories, and uh, some really nice saving thirty to fifty percent on clearance drivers, fairway woods, hybrids. Iron sets, wedges, shoes, and apparel. That hybrid that Dave has continued to talk about for years that he still hasn't gotten. Maybe it's time. It could be. This is. I, this I, would see, be. I always it sounds it. like the price is going to well, be right. Well, I buy. That's right. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> everybody gets. Everybody gets a discount except Dave. <laughs> no, uh, your price is free. I'm sure that's the right price. <laughs> Matt got it. Yes, no, I got it too. But it's no. I, what I do is I always buy things at the end of the year because then you've been playing all year and your swing is more grooved. And now you are. Uh, I feel I'm into whatever game I have. Uh, so then I'll have a better sense that it works. Great, it fits. Good. 
So, anyway. We derailed the read right there, didn't you we? You did. I mean, that wasn't Dave's fault. That no, was it's fault. totally ours. Yeah. But I'm going to go back to take 20% off all golf apparel outside of the clearance. Shoes, bags, travel bags, and accessories. 10% off on GPS units. Range finders. We know what the difference of those are. Golf balls and selected putters and clubs. <laughs> Sales in all four locations at Greenland, Hudson, West Lebanon in New Hampshire, and in Scarborough, Maine. That is starting Friday to the 25th of August, which is a Sunday, a 10-day sale. So swing over to Golf and Ski Warehouse. All right. Four left. All right. Uh, FedEx Cup this week. Um, Your thoughts? Boy, you know what my one of my first thoughts is? I almost found the corn fairy more more appealing to me than I than I than the you know why? Because it's more real life stuff. It is. I you agree. Know, the, the the playoffs this one week was a bunch of already proven successful kept their card guys and they're just going from one twenty five to seventy. That's all well and good. It doesn't really ultimately decide who's gonna win the FedEx playoffs. The corn fairy playoffs which I'm still struggling with that name. But anyway, formerlyweb.com, you're talking about people's livelihoods. And, and to keep your card or to get your PJ card um, is, for some of these people, life-changing. Yeah. And, uh, and in many ways, it was far more captivating, riveting to watch that um, this week. I, I think it'll change as, as we go forward in the sense of, um, obviously, you're narrowing down to the 70 and then the 30 in the PJ Tour, but... You know, there's some great stories on the Corn Ferry. Now they got the three playoffs, and there are some. Like I saw the list of names of guys who lost their card in the PGA Tour. We're now going to the Corn Ferry playoffs. There are some really good players who yeah. now are struggling to find their card. And so I just think, you know, while the FedEx playoffs are great and all, there's still some great stories, um, uh, captivating stories on the Corn Ferry playoffs. Well, I. I, I mean, I agree. I've, I've said it a couple times that I actually like watching these uh, the Corn Ferry events come down to the wire here because, you know, you don't. It has the feel of a major championship when a three foot putt means everything to a guy. Well, it means uh, we miss Q school, right? We miss Q yeah. school, and this is a form of Q school. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's real stuff and real emotion and guys breaking down both good and bad. I mean, bad. the Scott Harrington story, yeah. who's who had to give up golf last year because his wife had uh, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, yep. I think it was, or, or something like that. And she had to fight it. He gave up golf for a year. She gets better. He goes back and earns his card be, at, at the cost, if you will, of another guy who double bogeyed the 72nd mm-hmm. hole. So he ends up getting his card because of that. I mean, that and, was... And how can you not root for a guy how like can that in a situa- totally situation agree. like that? See, totally I, I think for me, uh, there's two things now... At one point in life, I could watch anything and be interested in it, no matter what the sport was, no matter Ocho? what the game was. What's that? ESPN Ocho. Well, okay. <laughs> well, but basically, but 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 now I'm, I'm talking about the major leagues in football. Or no, I'm with you. Yeah. But now it's more like I got to either have a rooting interest or the competition level has got to be intense. Sure. And I just wrote something for my column. Uh, it was about something about baseballs in a death spiral. It's been in Boston Globe a couple of weeks, and you know something that they sold seventy million tickets last year. So I think there are ways from being in a death spiral. But I was going through these these issues in baseball, and I got to the All Star Game, and I and I said that you know the All Star Game for people they 
it's when you come into it and you like it for what you know. I mean, people like it's an exhibition game now, and it's home run derby. And the people who started following baseball in the last 10, 15 years love that. Me, I hate all-star games because when I started watching the all-star game, it was intensely competitive, you know, for a variety of different reasons. And I think the court was... That's the example I used. I mean, Pete Rose didn't want to win that game. Right. But it also, that, I mean, that also had to do with integration in America and the civil rights because the National League was much more African-American and had the great players. So it was so competitive, and there was, and people didn't switch leagues, so there were, you know, there's real pride about the American League and the National League. So what you're saying about the Corn Ferry to me is more appealing. I'm looking at the, the the list of, you know, where the cutoff is for 30 for the next round, and I'm going, they're all the usual usual suspects. I mean, uh, Tiger, well, he's got to play, but he pulled out if he was going to play, but he's like at 48 now, but. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who didn't even play last week and right. make points, and they can continue. So how so, important can the playoff be? Well, right. and you also have a system where Reed wins, goes from 50 to 2. Right. That's his only win, and he has three top 10s. Rory has two wins and 10 top 10s, and he's and behind he went, and he went down. Patrick Reed. Right. You win a major, and you get 600, but you win one of the third three last tournaments, and you get 2,000 points. Well, it's an inherent problem with... The playoffs, right? right. I mean, it's, unfortunately, it's a made-for-TV event more than right. anything else. Right. And, right. and the reality is there are four majors and the players. That's where the emphasis is. They've tried to create something for the season ending. And while it's more captivating and interesting than it used to be, it's still... Wouldn't it be better? The rich get richer. That's really all it wouldn't is. Wouldn't it and, just and, be better with however many people, say 140 were, were there, 160, whatever it was in the first one, the top 70... Go to the next round, regardless of your points, and then the next, you know, and this week, uh, the top thirty go to. Uh, Do you follow uh, Shane Bacon on Twitter? Do you know who the little, Shane? Yeah, a little bit. He he started kind of similar to the conversation we had. What are other ideas that could actually make this interesting? Um, the match play thing. I think the match play is the way to. You go. know, he even brought up maybe do something where you make it four ball match play, and got that guys that are the certain level and the points can pick who they want their partner to be. But, so you know, you made an interesting point about Reed and Rory, and while I agree with you in general, in every other sport, if Reed played Rory and Reed beat him in the first round of the playoffs, that's how it works yeah, in the playoffs, right. right? And so, so part of me gets your point, which is. Why is Reed ahead of Rory when, for a season long, Rory proved that he was better than Reed? Well, in every other sport, that first round matchup, one yeah. versus eight. Well, if eight beats one, now the right. best team in the play in the regular season's out. So, well, then don't sell it as a season long event. I, I, I right, and that's the rub. Right, it's, it is the rub, and and in many ways, you know, they don't do it because of TV. They don't want to have. You know, they don't want to have Ches Reevy and whoever in the finals on Sunday of the Tour Championship. But, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is because ultimately I think it's, again, a made-for-TV sort of event when the reality is that the big events are already over. Um, and it's and it's tough, too, because now we've moved the schedule. It's earlier. You're not competing with football. And the same kind of questions are still being asked. How do we keep people's attention? Is this the best way to do well, it? Well, I'm going to be very interested come the Tour Championship in the sense of this. So, so looks, let's say Kepka. So he's going to start the event at 10 under, and then people are going to be 8, 7, 6, 5. That, to me, is interesting. I don't know if it's going to work. Look, I was interested last weekend. I, 
it was fun to watch and but well, I agree. I mean, I love but, golf, but yeah, but people are still questioning, right? What could we do that would maybe bring some of those people in that are like, well, you know, I, I there's other stuff I'd rather do than watch because it's you know it is convoluted and you know Tiger won the Tour Championship last year and everybody watched that, but he didn't win the FedEx Cup. Right. So right. <laughs> it seems odd to me. Well, it, you know, it is, and again, they're trying to make something out of I won't say nothing, but they're trying to create something. Artificially, well, that that's what I, you know. That was my point last year when the PGA moved, and we were talking about what are you going to do in August. I mean, I just think they need something more dynamic to really capture attention, whatever whatever it is. I mean, I don't know that I'm I'm probably not like the vast majority of people. You know, the idea of playing uh, um, match play all the way through from from the large group in one course down to the next course down to the next course to me would be kind of cool it would i don't know if anybody else would like that but to me there's head-to-head competition you can pick out people who you're going to root for they're not even even non-traditional like eliminating players after each round so that'd be kind of cool right so so i don't have the numbers allow me to just sort of wing it here but but so let's just say it's 30 well after the first round you're down to 20 after the second round you're down to 50 I, I don't know I'm making it up and we can we can play with the numbers but I mean, how about making each round more competitive yeah. I don't think television would go for that because then you're down to nobody in the last couple of days well but, you're, you've got but, five but, but, right you're down I mean I don't know you maybe you're of course down if to Tiger five. if Tiger's in it they're only showing him anyway so there we go <laughs> I mean I don't I I think that that's an idea I mean I, I almost found myself there watching there needs to be an elimination process right I and, agree and, with you that like, when I'm watching last weekend, when they keep showing what Patrick Reed is projected to be, I don't care. Well, really. because we know he's going on, and it's right. It's, it's, and and so I'm watching because it's all the best players that are playing, and that captivates me. But this idea that you know they throw the projected, I don't, I don't. Well, care about so that. is it more interesting to you to see who won, or see if the 71st, 72nd, and 73rd get eliminated? I would think. You know what I mean? Probably the lat. That's more of. Yeah, that's, that's more, more interesting. So is now to, they've taken the lead story and yeah. buried it to the seventy, and it also makes everybody. It's competitive for everybody throughout, regardless of what they've shot. You know, for instance, Pat. Well, they had a lot of guys up at the top this this week, but you know, if you've got you're fighting to get in in those last three or four teams, then or the last three or four players. Then that's very competitive and it's compelling from uh, I think a viewing standpoint. Sure. Even if a guy is self-destructing, I mean there have been that major is. self-destructions that are you know something you might want to cover your eyes when they're doing it. But at the same time, it's you know who's going to rise to the challenge and those kind of things. So you know, I, I, to me, I think I'm kind of new to this because I haven't really followed all that much into the last couple of years, but. Points over the course of a year just don't do it for me. Well, I'll say the regular season should end. Right. The regular season should end, just like every rate. Let's let's use what other sports do. And that's the playoffs. Now we're in the playoffs. Everyone starts at zero. Right. Why wouldn't that make sense? It's like when the Cardinals won the World Series. I don't know. I mean, I... I I mean, I think that you... Taking, you know, things in the golf industry, everybody always talks about... Alternative golf experiences, non-green grass golf experiences, different things, different ways of playing the game. You know, you have some people do the big hole stuff, you know, occasionally. Different ways to get people involved in the game. And I think we live in an, in an era now where, 
what was okay 10, 20, 30 years ago would just go out and play and people are going to watch. I think it's with social media and, you know, thinking about wagering and gambling and, and you know, match play, would you, you, people can live bet on individual matches. And I think there has to be this conversation of what they can do so that it, because it, I think it is a, a problem that it just seems like, it's stale and everybody's questioning and what else could we do to make it more interesting and you know try something different try match play try eliminating people after every round and see what happens i think they've got a canvas right now to do it i think there would be uh i mean you guys are more uh, attuned to that but i think you know with the pga moving now august is different and i think it's the perfect time to try and come up with something has uh, you just mentioned something that i thought has the pga said anything about uh getting involved and uh, with gambling or with gambling oh, companies. Oh, yeah, they've acknowledged that they're they're trying to be ahead of the curve. and Yeah, no, how, I mean, wouldn't that make it more interesting to some yeah. people? Is It's certainly yeah. got to be a revenue source for them. But they're gambling on, right now, the gambling on playoffs that aren't resonating with You know people. what they need, no, honestly? What I'm saying is that they do something that's kind right, of, so create with a that format, in mind, I agree. that does that. I think they need to take some of the creativity that the European PGA Tour has and in, inject that into the PGA Tour. You see some of the things that they do on social media. I know they've done stuff at events where they have like guys teeing off on par threes, and it's basically like a closest to the pin mm. kind of thing. I, I think the you, you know be careful about the gimmicky nature. Of right, it. I agree with that. But, but you know, think out of the box. Right, I think you do have to think out of the box a little bit. I mean, I just think I like the idea of of regular season ending. Now the playoffs, we start from scratch and we start eliminating people like other sports. Somehow yeah. we do how we do that. I haven't figured and, and out. And but you know, to me, could, it could be somebody who gets hot at the right time. It's like I started to say, it's like the Cardinals in I think it was two thousand nine. They won eighty four games, just barely made it in, and then Chris Carpenter was in the midst of a really hot streak and was fabulous in the playoffs, and they wind up winning. Well, and, and the they, vice versa. Like, I, I, and the Seattle Mariners had their year where they had 115 wins right. or whatever the heck, and they lost in the first round of the playoffs. Right. It's what happens. That's the way it goes. Well, right. you know, if we were doing so that, that way. So Brooks got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs because he didn't play well. I was going to say DJ. I mean, DJ just played right? an awful Saturday in particular. Um, you know, he's a guy who's not playing well going into the playoffs. Well, then you're done, right. you know. I So I, I think it, they have to – Continue to look at ways to tweak it. Here's another, uh, just a, a micro uh, example of how no one knows what's going on. Or then you mentioned uh, Abraham Answer the other day. He's got a, he's on the 18th hole. He's got a 43 foot putt, and you know he's sitting there going, "Should I uh, lag it and guarantee the second place or go for it?" He goes for it, and he goes seven feet by. So he's got a tester coming back. And he makes it. He didn't boy, even know. A, boy, he's got a good putting stroke. He didn't even know that that made that he made the President's Cup because of that. He didn't even know it was on the line. And he also didn't know that it guaranteed him. A, he gets a guaranteed spot in the Tour Championship, and he'll play in his first Masters. None of which he knew mm-hmm. about. Interesting. So, which if he knew it. Would he have just lagged? My only my only problem with your scenario is a forty three putt. Nobody really goes for a forty three no. putt foot foot right. That's a so, drama here, right? <laughs> well, that was dramatic. <laughs> um, my my point is that I'm sure he would have been happy with a two right. putt no matter what. I mean, the right. chances of making a forty three footer. But um, to your point, wouldn't it be nice if that was knowledge? Like, I mean, you can't choke if you don't know you're 
there's right. something or not anything on the line, right? And so, right. which is back to the old, do I look at a scoreboard mm-hmm. thing? I mean, look at the darn scoreboard. Will you please? You're playing in a tournament. Sorry, I digress there. Yes, you do, but you, uh, you have... I- it's hard not to look at the scoreboard, right? I mean, in, you're in playing, any sport. I mean, you're, would, you so, play, would you play a football game and not look at the football, score? baseball? Score, ba- I mean, whatever. there's a scoreboard. Pay attention to it. You know, like hockey. And All right, so I'll, I'll I'll throw you. I'm still trying to figure out why Tiger's playing. No kidding. Why is Tiger playing? Did why did the, he play last week? Why is he playing this week? Did he's you, mailing uh, it in? Why is he playing? I, I honestly, yeah. An oblique, mild oblique. That didn't sound like a real injury to me. I'm, well, I'm a skeptic, but I'm that, sure. I, I just saw when I when I pulled you know what in here. Do to baseball players on on Twitter, but they they showed him walking into the clubhouse. He's like shuffling his feet. It's like he can barely yeah. walk. This is today. At, at, but is it real? I mean, I, I guess I don't I, get it. Either you're injured or you're not. Either you're committed and you're trying to play well, or you're. I, I just don't. It's so different from the tiger we've always known. Yeah. I don't quite understand it. I'm okay if he's injured. Yeah, right? I think everybody is, you know. But, but I mean, is he trying to prove that there's a new normal? Is he trying to suggest that you know his victory of Augusta was that much better now because his? I, I just I'm very confused as to why he's playing because it just seems like he if has you, no chance of competing. If you look at his, he has no chance. His results taking Augusta out, it's been terrible, and he's still top ten in the world. Yeah. It's crazy to me. I, it's he's so f- so different than the tiger we've always known. I'm I'm struggling trying to understand it. I don't understand how a guy, you know, guys at the top, the very. I mean, he's in the upper echelon. You know, I rate athletes on scale of one to six, and they're true. I hate because I hate people use. How do you? How'd you come up with that scale? Uh, it's <laughs> no, it never mind. No, go, well, go. All I'm going to say is that six. I did it because. The word superstar is the most overused sport word in sports. Everybody's a superstar. And sixes, to me, are superstars. In golf, I've seen two, maybe three. You know, Tiger being one, Jack being another, and Palmer probably being, and some other guys are fives and really good, but, you know, not that top shelf. Michael Jordan's a six. And... uh I've never seen a guy who was a six that good, so superior to everybody else, be able to sit there and be as bad as, you know, or as mediocre. See, I don't, or, I don't or, view it as being bad. Bad uh, isn't the worst. Bad isn't the worst. Unable to compete. I don't understand his mindset. That, that What are you trying to prove at this point? I don't get it. So, so either you are physically okay and you can compete, or you aren't physically okay and you can't. But he seems to be... Not physically okay and not mentally okay. Right. That's what I'm I'm struggling with. That he seems like he is mentally not prepared to com- compete. And if that's the case, why are you competing? Yeah. That's what I'm 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 baffled by it. But as they, you know, his. What his, do you think it is? I don't know. It's it's like I don't know the best way to describe it. I I feel like he's trying to prove something when if he had said I'm I I don't feel 100%, I'm not playing in the playoffs. I don't think anyone would have said anything negative about it. You you've you've climbed the mountain, nobody ever thought you would climb again. Totally agree. You know, call it a season, go captain I, the president's cup team. I got why team. you tried the majors. Right. Right, cuz they're majors right. and you know, right. so we I'm could all that. tell at the British Open that you didn't want to be there. Right. So just but he didn't want to be there last week nope. and I don't think he wants to be there this week, but he's it just seems so uh, strange. I'm going to gonna, I, I went I've gone through a couple of phases as a player sometimes. Um, 
and it's nothing like this other than the fact that I, at a couple of points in my life, I, I played so much, I played myself out, I felt like. And, but now I'm, I've got afternoons off, I'm done with work, I'm saying to myself, I should go play, and I got this other thing in the back of my head going, I don't want to play. But I almost feel guilty that I'm not going to play because I've got this time and I like love playing golf. And I'll get out there and I'll play like three or four holes and it's going by the clubhouse and I'm going, I don't feel like playing today. And I think that's something like that. I He's forcing himself. feel almost guilty that he should but be out the there. the tiger we grew up with was every turn he went to, he wouldn't play unless there's only one way, which is right. I'm going to win. Right. Do you think on any level he believes he can win right now? No. So what are we doing? Did you see John, John Feinstein wrote a column in, uh, or an article this week in Golf Digest uh, saying to, to Tiger and basically saying, take the rest of the year off and just get away. Do you think the President's Cup has anything to do with it, that he's captain? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know why. Only because he maybe still wants to play in that and needs to play in these to feel like he can justifiably pick himself. I, I don't know. Anyway, I mean, I, if, if, I, I'm, I'm very if anything, I'd say he's doing. I think seeing. he's doing more harm to himself because the rest of the guys have to know he has. He's not into this at all. What's he doing? Right. You know. And then if he says, "Well, I managed to fight through, and now I want to play in the Presidents Cup," I think he might get some cockeyed looks from some of the guys. I agree with that too. I just think he's forcing himself, and he, and at the same time, he doesn't want to be there. I mean, look, Basically. last year was he was played so good at the end of the year, and there was all this excitement, and then he finally won. And I mean, if you if you're trying to recapture that, you're not going. Well, it's to. so funny. We uh, last like, one of our last shows, we talked about how he clearly the mountain he climbed and overcame for the Masters was clearly a bigger hurdle than. We ever thought he thought it was, yeah. right? And so, so he climbed it. But I don't sense that he has any desire to climb anything else this year. Mm-hmm. So why are we climbing? Yeah. I don't know. Just I don't know. It, it's very strange, is all I, I guess. And I'm I'm confused by it. And I would expect him to miss the cut if he plays two rounds. Right? He may not even play two rounds. On a, have you seen any of these fireside uh, fireside with Phil chats? Yeah. On video, yeah. he, Phil is getting pretty good at it. <laughs> I saw one today. He's a weird dude, man. He really <laughs> one with a tiger. They, they need one. to light. Yeah. yeah, they need to light the, the set a little bit better. But other than that, when he's got Tiger, he's telling a story about Tony Romo. Was it the one that he yeah. saw when he's got yeah. into he got into Tiger's skin yeah. and he's it's, got a picture of Tiger in the computer next to him? It's pretty he's good. Talking to it's him, fun, yeah, and he's like moving. He's, oh, I like this picture better. You're smiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good, uh, I think. Too funny. Um, all right, this week, what do you expect? FedEx Cup BMW Championship uh, at Medina. Uh, what was it last year? It wasn't there. So they, it's so that a just, better golf course. Right. I don't know if Liberty National is a good or bad course. I just don't know. I mean, it's beautiful right. setting and all that. But a, a, a significant event should be at a significant course. Yeah. And to me, Medina right. fits that. And so I'm going to enjoy it mostly because it's at a, at a iconic uh, um venue so you know it'll be interesting but it's still 70 to 30 there's still going to be essentially the same key players who are yep. going to end up at atlanta so again okay you know okay I don't yeah know. i you know i'll be entertained yep. and I'll, I'll watch, watch. and but um, they're not playing for enough there's not enough 
to lose in order to make it captivating. There's and certain- I, ultimately, to, to some extent, it, you can almost feel like they feel like they're just kind of playing out the string, right? You know, it's, boy, it's going to be nice to get a break after this and to go home and just be able to relax and go play casually and not have to worry about this because it is this, I mean, does, does Brooks Kepler or Roy McIlroy need any more money? No, they don't. They have more money than they'll ever know what to do with. And I get you have that competitive drive and fire and you want to go. You know, I almost it, it's almost like tri-statey, right? You have that competitiveness and you want to go out. But at the end of the day, it's about, you know, a couple more, more weeks with the guys right. on tour. Right. And then, hey, it's back home to, right. to take some time Season off. Season ending. And, and it just feels like that to me. I don't bit. disagree. And so, I mean, it takes something away from it, I guess. Again, I, I will be as interested um, in the Corn Ferry they're playing, I think, in, in Columbus, Ohio. I'll yep. be as interested in that because, again, people are playing for their, their playing privileges and their, their livelihood. Um, at Medina, the rich are just getting richer. Yeah. And, I mean, there's some guys with some things on the line that might not get there. Jordan Spieth, I think, is at 44 uh, Jason played Day good last 50. week. He's getting there. Yep. He's getting there. He's, you know, he's still fighting it. You can still see he's fighting it, but you can also see he's close. Yep. See, I'm I'm more interested in those guys who've got to who've got to fight to get into that top thirty than the guys who are probably there and are going to be there as long as right, they're okay. But, the, but and I agree with you. I, I guess my only point would be so. Let's just say hypothetically, Jordan Spieth ends up thirty fourth. I mean, okay, he didn't get the top thirty. What does that mean? Not a lot. He's got. Right. He get. He'll have everything. Right. Um, it's not going to wreck my weekend. If it and it's not going to wreck his either. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas, right. And even if he gets in, does that somehow make this a good year for him? No. Right. It's a pretty indifferent year. If that's probably a little kind to to call it that for him. Right. And, but and if you and as you just said earlier in the program, Matt, you can win this event uh, at Eastlake and not win. The FedEx. Cup. I don't think you can anymore. I think that's correct. I think this year they've changed. Oh, that. all right. Well, that that makes it a little bit better. It does. It yeah. does. It's a little bit, you know, again, artificial how they've done it. And I'll be curious to see how it plays out because they're literally handicapping the field to start the tournament. So whoever's number one will be at. I think they said ten under. Yeah. And then whoever's like that. second will be nine under or something to that effect. Depends on points. So so they have addressed that. I'm not sure if they've addressed it well, and we'll find that out, but, but at least that has been addressed. All right. And I think we're out of... We're, so who do I want predictions? We've got to do predictions. Who do we like to... Uh, should we pick who wins, or should we pick who moves on? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll Based pick on the winner. The, right. Go ahead, Matt. Um, I'll take Rosie. Rosie, I'm going to go uh, John Rama. As go, much I'm, as I don't want to, I'll keep the European By the team, way, his, team going. And I'll take Rory. His Rom's good good memories at Medina for him, right? Yep. Um, Rom's last six starts: T three seven, T eleventh, first, T T two, T three. Rom is an elite talent. He really who's, is. Who's, there's, I have no doubt that he's going to break through pretty soon. He'll win five tournaments some year soon. Yeah. He's going to win a couple of majors. He hits I mean, it so good, man. So good. He really And does. he's actually a good putter. I mean, he's just really good. I yeah. think he's maybe the best player that nobody really talks about right now. 
You know, he's, he's, he's and he's always there. It always. seems like always yep. there. And he's still what twenty three, twenty. I mean, he's, he's young. He's big too. He is a big boy, and so. rips it. He hits a hard fade, and he does. And and the only thing is about Medina. One of the reasons I took Rory so that it's a it's a right to left tee ball course. Um, so he's twenty four, by the way. Is that what he is? Yeah. And Rom hits fades, so that may be a little challenging for him. But other but you than know that, what? He hits is so straight most of the time. He does. It's he does. He can play. And and what's the most famous shot ever at Medina? Sad, sadly, it's Sergio. <laughs> They've <laughs> cut down that, which tree. is amazing that we still think of the most famous shot to someone who didn't win. But but right. it was. They've cut down that tree. Well, just imagine if he had just around. if he had just hit it and stood there, it wouldn't be that famous, right? right? Yeah, the scissor just, kick was was and, got him over the hump. Serious, serious leap off the ground right. on that one. That was although although I could argue I knew that was going to be your one, but I would have said that uh, when Hale Irwin made his sixty footer on the seventy second hole to get in the playoff was that's you know, your, and then that's the high five all the way around right? third. That's his third third. I saw. I was at his first yep. when he won. And I knew him. Mike. I got to know Mike Donald a little bit, and and that was who he beat in the playoff. Right. And that was somewhat crushing. But sixty um, foot putt, right? To birdie for, over a ridge. You know, then he high fived ever to in the, get into a playoff, right? From a former football player at Colorado, right? I had to throw that in Buffalo. There. Yes, uh, defensive back. <laughs> Good friends with Harmon Killerboot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we almost did it. Almost. <laughs> oh, okay, cut that out. All right, uh, that'll do it for this week. And uh, so we're gonna uh, we will step aside. Thank everybody for listening. Before I close, let me say that it is a big week at uh, Golf and Ski Warehouse. It is the big annual August sale clearance sale. It begins Friday the sixteenth. And goes for 10 days to Sunday the 25th. Oh, that looks like nine days when you do the math on it, but 10 days. It's 10. And I was, oh, it's boy. Definitely goes oh, oh, boy. It's, it's 10. Scott, it is 10. But it looks like nine. <laughs> when you look at it right off the bat, it looks like You mean like 25 anyway. minus 16 is nine? Is that what you... It's like, a yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, zero in a decade, zero to nine. <laughs> seems like it's nine, but it's 10. It's like that. It's a math thing. Anyway. You've totally derailed me again on the read, so I'm going to start again. The big annual August sale at Golf and Ski Warehouse. It begins Friday for 10 days, August 16th to the 25th, Sunday, where you'll enjoy the best prices of the 2019 season on equipment, apparel, and accessories. And that includes saving between 30 and 50% on clearance drivers, fairway woods, Hybrids, iron sets, wedges, shoes, and apparel take 20% off all golf apparel, shoes, bags, travel bags, and accessories, and save 10% on GPS units, range finders, golf balls, and selected putters and clubs. And that sells in all four locations, Greenland, Hudson, West Lebanon, New Hampshire, and Scarborough, Maine. Fellas, good show. Good Enjoyed it, Dave. Thanks. Oh, yeah. And happy birthday to my daughter. She turns 11 on Thursday. Very nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. It's, it's, actually, it's not. It's going. She's it's going nine. It's not a decade. It's, no. it's too fast. Yeah. Say, you got to say because at the end when they when they get there too. Yeah, before you know it, you're going to have blonde hair like I do. <laughs> Boy, it's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> but when they get to 18 and you kind of realize halfway through that senior year that they're not going to be here next year, this is over and it's so savor it, my friends. It is great. All right, thanks to everybody. Cheers for joining us. We'll thanks, see you next guys. week. On this is Preferred Lives. I'm Dave Long. Have a great week, everybody.